So looking at Isaiah, uh, we've, I've actually preached through this before, but it's a good way of reminder. Uh, his name means Yahweh is my salvation or uh, Yodehavev. That's Yahweh in Hebrew. Yahweh is my salvation. And uh, when you think about Isaiah, think about a suffering servant. That's really what he was. Uh, and he really projects the time when Christ will come to this earth and take up residency and eventually go to the cross. But uh, at the time, it was a very difficult, at least in Isaiah 9, a, a very difficult time for the nation of Israel. Isaiah's ministry was in, uh, under the reign of Uzziah and Hezekiah, and that's about the reign 740 B.C. to 698 B.C., so about 42 years. Here's the key. The leaders in the northern kingdom were corrupt. And you say it this, you could say it this way, as goes, as goes the leaders, so goes the nation. And so in the north, the leaders were corrupt and they wound up paying a price for it. And the themes throughout uh, Isaiah are faithfulness, righteousness, and justice. And all of these, and all of these, uh, this faithfulness right there, the leaders were unfaithful. And so Isaiah focuses on faithfulness. You need to be faithful, but the leaders were unfaithful. The leaders were unrighteous, and Isaiah wants to return to that theme of righteousness. And then justice. Uh, they were not just in the way that they dealt with the people. And when you look at what Isaiah was dealing with, and you think about the culture in which we live, there are some similarities. Right seems wrong, wrong seems right, and uh, you have all of these seemingly injustice taking place in the court systems and around the world pretty much everywhere. But Isaiah writes here that in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the hardships, that there is going to come a day when God will take care of this. And uh, we want to, first of all, look at there will be hope, and we note the setting. Now, notice Isaiah writes this. In, in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. So if we look at this, uh, we look at this map here, and I know I can only go so far because yeah, I get cut off right there, I think. But uh, here you have the northern kingdom, and down here you have the southern kingdom. And uh, to highlight that area, Naphtali and Zebulun to the north. And so what's going to happen is the Assyrians are going to come in and they are going to attack the northern kingdom. Um, Tiglath uh, Pileser, and it's been pronounced many different ways, you'll note here his foot is on top of a, a person. That really was symbolic of what kind of leader he was. He was a tyrant. Uh, he was the king of Assyria from 747 to 732 BC. Uh, he, captured, he captured the northern kingdom and uh, it was brutal. It was, it was really, really brutal. 
he deported the Israelites. And he also, at this time, the southern kingdom will survive, but only until 587 B.C. Now, when we think about this, we think about the issue of how the nation of Israel got into trouble. Well, they got into trouble because they forgot God, at least the northern kingdom. And so God wasn't going to tolerate that very long. And then he brought in an invading force, the Assyrians, and they were brutally mistreated. The southern kingdom survived uh, for a while, but then was eventually taken over. And it just reminds me that when a nation forgets God, we leave ourselves into a mess and that we can be open to all kinds of things. Uh, Robert Chisholm, in his commentary, wrote this, Dark days were ahead for the people, especially for the northern kingdom. The Assyrians would invade Palestine from the north and humble Israel. All the leaders had to do, all the leaders had to do was to remain faithful to God, treat the people right, honor God's word, and be just in their dealings with the people. And they didn't do it. And uh, here you have uh, the issue where when the leadership is corrupt, it will affect everyone down below. And uh, we can maybe look at some of the parallels for us today. He goes on to write, but in the latter time, now this is, this is now Isaiah saying, okay, there's, there's going to be a time of hardship. There's going to be time of trial. But now in these latter times, he has made way. He has a glorious way by the sea, the land beyond the Jordan and the Galilee of nations. So when we think about the way of the sea, you come right up here to the Sea of Galilee. Most scholars believe that this is a projection, and I would agree with this, that it is a projection that Jesus will be in a ministry of the Sea of Galilee. And you go back and you, you read the New Testament, you see that Jesus spent a lot of time in this region. So what Isaiah is saying, no matter how bad things are getting ready to get, God has a plan, and he's going to send Jesus Christ and that this is going to be a glorious way. And interesting, the, by the way of the sea, the ancient church, when it started, was called the way. By the way. <laughs> was called the way. And so it is a reference, I think, to the promised Messiah who would come and deliver the nation of Israel. Not only Israel, but of the world. John 3.16, I bet you can quote it from memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. So Isaiah on one end is saying, look, things are going to get bad. The northern kingdom is going to be attacked. But, and that's what I like about God, there's always a but. You can live here in sin and rebellion, but God can also, but yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that we can have a relationship with. But in the latter times, he has made a glorious way of the sea, and, but beyond the land of Jordan, the Galilee nations. 
So it's a good news, bad news type situation. Now, secondly, we want to look at the symbolism. You can't miss it. Dark and light. It's, it's clear here. And as uh, Deacon Mike Tabor read, the people who walked in darkness. That's an interesting Hebrew word. It can mean terror, ignorance, darkness, danger, uh, tremor. But more than likely, uh, it's a combination of symbolism in darkness, but also terror. Think of it. I, I know many of you are very aware of this. Uh, what happened to the nation of Israel on October 7th was ungodliness on the screen. How they could commit those types of atrocities is a people that are dark. It's a people that have no value for human life. And ironically, when Isaiah writes this, it's the Assyrians who have no value for human life. They didn't care. They just went in, they destroyed, and they plundered the nation of Israel. Here, when we think about Israel being attacked that day and, and uh, very poor timing. And I think about all the people that, the men, the women, the children, the atrocities that were being committed. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. I stand with Israel and I hope they wipe Hamas out. And it's... He who attacks the lion is going to have some problems. Anyway, these people walked in darkness. Uh, and I, it is symbolic, but I, I see this more as terror. I want you to think about you're in northern kingdom of Israel. The Assyrians are coming in and it just feels dark. And then you're taken off into captivity. You are deported from your home. So these people had walked in darkness, but there is a great light that is coming who will dwell in the land of the deep darkness. On them the light has shined. Gary Smith in his commentary writes this, at this point the light is not identified. We do know what it is. But it was certainly a sign of hope and deliverance from darkness that pervaded the land. The light was a sign that God had not completely given up on his people. And let me just say this this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. You're going to have periods of darkness. You're going to have periods of light. Just know that God has a plan for your life. God had a plan for the nation of Israel. If the leaders had cooperated with God, they wouldn't have been in this mess but it was mostly the leadership that was corrupt that caused all of these various calamities. That being said, please know this, as bad as our culture is, and I know Brother Larry's mentioned it in prayers and I totally agree, uh, uh, God is still orchestrating world events. And the reason that he is orchestrating these world events that we see, and we may not like them, these events that are taking place in our 
in, our, in America and around the world, God is orchestrating history to usher in the return of Jesus Christ. And that is the light that we can focus on. That is the light that we can keep first and foremost as we view everything that's going on. We can only say that I'm glad God is in control because if I didn't think God was in control, I wouldn't be here. And so we need to trust that God is in control, no matter what happens in our culture, how bad it gets. And by, by the way, God raises up leaders and he brings down leaders. And in this case, in the nation of Israel, he brought them down. But unfortunately, it also involved the people. But this great light has shined. Can you imagine the people in Isaiah's day and they're hearing this and they're probably thinking what's going to happen and when it happened they have something to fall back on that yeah okay this is bad but there's coming a day when God's going to fix this now if you're like me God's timetable is never my timetable <laughs> he's always seems always late but I'll tell you what God's always on time and he does at the right time send Jesus Christ. That'll be my Christmas Eve uh, morning sermon will be at just the right time God brought forth his son. So not only will there be a future hope, but Isaiah says here, there will also be freedom from bondage. Now this obviously looks at the day when Israel will be out of captivity, which we'll get into that here in just a minute. Verse 3, we look at joy first. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before as with you with the joy of the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So obviously this was set uh, during the Feast of Weeks and Deuter uh, not Deuteronomy, Exodus 34, 22. You shall observe the festival of weeks the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of the ingathering at the turn of the year. So this would be a time of joy when they would have the harvest, they would offer the first fruits to God, and it was actually a joyful time. So here on, <clears throat> on one end, you have Isaiah saying, look, things are going to get bad, and it's going to be bad, and there's going to be... Um, tribulation, there's going to be trials, there's going to be hardship, but there is coming a day when there will be joy and you will experience the salvation of God. You look at this and you think about the salvation that we have in Christ. Many of you, and I've known you, I've been your pastor, well, going on 16 years, and I know that you're saved, but there was a time when you weren't saved. There was a time when you were outside of Christ. And there was a time when you were actually in darkness, not physical darkness, but spiritual darkness. And then you trusted in Christ. His light has shined abroad in our hearts and we know him. And there was a radical change that took place. And then the rest of your life, you live in that light. Here, the people of Israel, they had walked in darkness, but God said, there comes a day when there will be joy again. 
Now, for people that are in captivity, you can think what that means. Oh, Lord, let it be today. Let it be soon. You have increased the joy. Well, um, okay, got to go back. God does do deliverance. Joshua eleven six, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them over to you slain. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. There's coming a day when God, of course, this was when Joshua was the leader. And now for the nation of Israel at this time, uh, there's a man called Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great did something really great. <laughs> he was 559 to 530 BC. The Persian Empire defeats the Babylonians. I believe this is where the joy starts coming in. Even before the Messiah arrives on this earth, even before Mary gives birth to the Messiah, here you have the joy starting to come into focus. So the Persian Empire defeats the Babylonians. And you could just about the Israelites getting excited that this empire, which had been so brutal, so dictatorship, and that's uh, the Babylonians, but also the Assyrians that was gone by then. This ended nearly 70 years of harsh Babylonian captivity. Now we're talking about the northern and southern kingdoms. Both had, had fallen. And God says, okay, I'm going to return joy to the nation of Israel. Cyrus allowed the Jews to return home. That was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. You're going to be in darkness. And it's going to be a while when we think about 70 years. You'd have to add five more to my age, and that would be the difference. From the time I was born five years from now, we'd still be in captivity. That's a long time. And I bet you can, you can imagine, when is Isaiah's prophecy going to come true? Is God really, he's forgotten us, he's abandoned us. And he didn't, because God, I want you to see here, God is orchestrating events, world events. Man thinks that they are in charge of history. They are not. History is his story. It's God's story. He is in control, and he will bring all these events to pass to usher in. And I don't know about you guys and gals, but I'm ready for Jesus to come back. Amen? <laughs> ready for that. But Cyrus comes in, and he said, Jews... You can go back. You are now free. Can you imagine? I think the last time they, they must have experienced this level of joy, you have to go back to the Exodus. Right? You have to go back to the Exodus. Can you imagine the Israelites taking their shackles off and they're going back home? Now, someday... We will take these shackles off and we will go to be in the presence 
of God. What a, what a great moment for the nation of Israel. So God raised up Cyrus to take care of it. I don't know what God is doing in our culture. I don't know what God is doing in our nation. But I do know this. God is in control. And we have to trust in that. We may get mad by what we see on the news. We may not like what's happening. And we certainly shouldn't endorse what's happening. But at the same time, we know that God is moving events and we need to trust him. And sometimes I need to be reminded of that because it looks really, really bleak at the moment. And uh, like I said, I agree with Brother Larry, our nation's in, in decline right now. But I do know God is in charge and we need to trust in him. The victory. This is my favorite part of the sermon here. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulders, the road of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. This really goes back to Judges chapter 6 and 7. When there's victory, the yoke was heavy. And I, I, I wrote some uh, parallels here between the physical and the spiritual the yoke of sin was a place in which the victory was gained but when we think about the spiritual side it is where the yoke of sin had been broken by jesus christ his staff the assyrians and the babylonians they ruled over the nation of israel Jesus will rule over the nations. We have gained victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus. I love that. Victory in Jesus. The rod, obviously that was discipline, but we also learned in, from Hebrews that God does discipline his children. Here's the big one, and I think this is really important for us. We had been looking at Hebrews, and this kind of ties, ties in with this yoke of burden. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The issue here was trying to use the law in order to gain salvation. When Christ came and he died on the cross and he paid for our sins, the, the power of sin was broken it can no longer hinder our relationship with God. It is done. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant that the wrath of God had been poured out on Christ. He took my sin, he took your sin, and sin's power was then broken. And it doesn't mean that we don't continue to sin because we're in this body, we will sin. But the bottom line is the sin that separates us from God is done. It is finished. It was nailed to the cross. And there are going to be those that come along and say, well, wait a minute, you, you got to do this, 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 and this for salvation. And in the New Testament times, we see that Gnosticism was in full blown, at least when John wrote the three epistles, the first two epistles for sure. Salvation in Christ frees us and breaks the power of sin so that we can have a relationship with God. 
And in this, we have victory. We have victory. Do y'all realize that? We have victory in Christ. For every boot, verse 5, for every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah was uh, promising that there would be an utter defeat of the enemy. This, this is what I like so much about this. He's saying that when this freedom comes, the enemy that harassed and belittled and did atrocities, they will be utterly destroyed. And when I think about Jesus Christ, my Savior, your Savior, when he died on the cross, do you know what he did? He defeated Satan, but he also defeated death. When a believer dies, they live. When the believer leaves this life, they go to be with God. And Paul writes it in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. In other words, the law kills you because it shows that you're a sinner and it's supposed to drive you to saving faith in Christ. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ removed the stinger from death. I, you know, being a pastor, I kind of lost track. My first sermon was in 1988. That's just a, a few years ago. I've had the wonderful opportunity, and it's hard, but I've had a wonderful opportunity to be by many people as they were leaving this life. Some amazing things that I have witnessed. So wonderful that a Christian can face the final voyage in full assurance. There's, there's, there's been many. I think of Pate McKenzie as she was dying, I read Romans 8 to her. So many people that I have witnessed led one man to Christ on his deathbed while he was dying. What an amazing, amazing opportunity to be there at the moment. And I think of... Uh, my friend Wade, the day we went in the room there and he was not doing well. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I loved Wade. Uh, we walked in and it was the immediate family and myself and Wade was laying there, his eyes were shut and I said, let's pray. And at that moment, Wade set up. <laughs> He said, let's pray. Wade said, I'm ready. What a wonderful 
a wonderful experience that believers do not face death the same way. And Christ has removed the stinger so that death, it will come. It will come to all of us unless Jesus comes back. But the difference is how we approach it. We know that when we die, we go to be with him and there will be victory. Quite amazing. Let me say this, that in this world we'll have trouble. There will be heartache. Think about the nation of Israel. Think about what they endured. But know this, God is in control. He has this world in his hand. And his will will be carried out. And there's nothing man can do to stop it. If you're going through hard times in your life now, wait, wait. Joy will come again. You will be happy again. There's going to be seasons of valleys and mountaintops. We have to rejoice when we're on top of the mountain. And I just want to say that for us that are in Christ, sin has been broken. And we are now in a relationship with him and he loves us. He loves you. And I just think about these Israelites when they were finally released by Cyrus the Great. And then the promise that these armies would be utterly defeated. I can promise you this today. Satan will be defeated. And God will reign gloriously.